Our nation seems to be headed on a path towards self-destruction. We have replaced the Creator God of this universe with the worship of nature and the adoration of the Almighty Dollar. Is there any hope whatsoever for our nation, or have we passed the point of no return? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Over the past seven weeks, we have been sharing with you some of the presentations that were made at our 2010 Bible Conference, whose theme was Defending the Faith. Last week, we showed you part of a presentation made by Dr. Ed Heinsohn, one of America's foremost experts on Bible prophecy. He spoke to the banquet we held at the end of the conference where we celebrated the 30th anniversary of this ministry. His topic was The Battle for the Heart of America. At the beginning of his presentation, Dr. Heinsohn said he was going to deliver good news and bad news, and he was going to start with the bad news. He then proceeded to give an overview of the decline of our society. In the process, he identified five beliefs that have undermined the Judeo-Christian principles that this country was based on and which made it great. The first is secularism, the belief that God is irrelevant. The second is relativism, the belief that there is no such thing as absolute truth. The third is selfism, the belief that the world revolves around self and that one's personal needs are the only thing that is important. The fourth is materialism, the belief that the essence of life is the accumulation of stuff. The fifth is mysticism, the belief that subjective experience is more valid than objective truth. To say the least, Dr. Heinsohn painted a very grim picture of our nation and its descent into paganism. But he promised good news, and that is where we're going to pick up this week with his presentation. Dr. Heinsohn is the host of the nationally televised program, The King is Coming, and he serves as a professor of Old Testament studies and eschatology at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. As you will see, he is a master communicator, and I think you will be blessed by what he has to say. Here now is Dr. Ed Heinsohn speaking about the good news regarding the battle for the heart of America. I would suggest to you that in spite of all of that, there's still hope for the future. Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. They were living in tough times. The challenge of decadent Judaism, the challenge of Roman paganism, the challenge of even the inadequacy of his own disciples. And yet Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? believe also in me. Now, we have every right to step back and say, Jesus, who do you think you are? God? Ah, uh, you're telling us to believe in you like we believe in God? Yes. You know, the History Channel come on, and you know, I've been on the History Channel. Uh, lots of people are on the History Channel. Most of them are crazy. Uh, but uh, there are some good people on there occasionally. And, but they'll come on, and they'll say things like, well, Jesus never really claimed to be God. He was just a simple, humble rabbi. The church came along later and tried to deify him. Really? Well, why do you think he said uh, that I and the Father are one? Why do you think he said, if you've seen me, you've seen God? Why do you think he said, I have the power to forgive your sins? And they were ready to stone him. They understood the claim. 
Why did he take the sacred name of God and say before Abraham was, I am? No, Jesus shouts to you through the New Testament that he is God. His deity resonates from his life, from his character, and from his words over and over and over again. And the one who was divine said, don't let your heart be troubled. If your focus is only on that which is earthly, you'll give up on life. Uh, You'll be overwhelmed with the darkness. So you have to put your focus on God. And I would suggest five positive things. Number one, we need to remember that God still reigns. In the toughest times in the Bible, people had a vision of God on the throne. When King Uzziah died, a godly king, and Isaiah thought, what's going to happen in the future? He saw the Lord high and lifted up on the throne in Isaiah 6. He had a renewed vision that God still reigns. When John was exiled to the island of Patmos, he has a renewed vision of the eternal city and the plan of God. Now, God is still the sovereign God that rules over the universe. He's the one to whom we can pray and call out with all of our hearts and believe and ask Him to move on our behalf. When I was lying in the hospital, thousands of people prayed for me when I could not pray for myself. Think of that for a moment. I was totally unconscious. But people everywhere were praying for God to raise me up. Now, I realize not everybody gets healed. Uh, There are people that are good people, that are godly people, that face serious illnesses, and the Lord calls them home. But there are times that God intervenes miraculously beyond anything human beings can explain because He has a purpose in that touch of healing that comes. Uh, I think of my daughter's family. Many of you know their story. Hit by a drunk driver fleeing the police. All of them nearly killed. My granddaughter with a serious brain injury uh, still in the process of recovering and Thank the Lord, uh, did a year of college this last year. It wasn't easy, uh, but uh, she's making wonderful progress. God is using her testimony powerfully in people's lives. God still reigns in the good times and in the bad times. God still reigns even when everything goes wrong. C.S. Lewis said, pain is like God's megaphone with which he shouts to us and he gets our attention. When I was in the hospital, people would come by and say, Ed, what's God teaching you through all of this? I couldn't even talk. I had tubes down my throat and everything else. And I'm thinking, I don't know what he's teaching me. I'm trying to survive here. Uh, I haven't had anything to drink for two months. Uh, You know, it would be nice to have a little orange juice, Uh, whatever. (laughs) Sometimes in the crisis, you don't see the final purpose of God until you get through the crisis. But a believer understands no matter what goes wrong, God is God and you and I are not. God is in charge. God is in control. And God is not only speaking to us through our problems. He's speaking to everybody else through your problems. Because as they read and watch your life, they want to know, does being a Christian really work when everything goes wrong? When the bottom falls out, is God still God? And we need that reminder in our culture as well that God still reigns. Secondly, I would suggest to you the church is still precious. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. People tend to read that verse as though hell were attacking the church. I would remind you, you do not attack with gates. You defend with gates. He pictures Satan on the defensive, desperately holding on to the gates of hell, and he pictures the church on the offensive as we 
proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as people are transformed, as Jack shared his testimony with us, that kind of transformation only takes place within genuine Christianity and nowhere else on the planet. Uh, No other religion has that kind of life-transforming experience. Only a personal encounter with the living Savior can make that kind of a difference. And it's the church that proclaims the truth that Jesus said, from Pentecost to the rapture, I will keep on building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I hear a lot of cynical people say, well, I'm about to give up on the church. Well, I'm not. I'm not giving up on the church till the trumpet sounds and the archangel shouts and we're out of here to the glory of God. Uh, Why? Because the great prediction of Jesus was, I will keep on building it until ultimately I call the church home to heaven. And until that happens, The church is still precious, and it still fulfills the plan and purpose and the will of God on earth. Now, there are a lot of churches that need to be corrected and affected and influenced, and I understand all of that. But the body of believers that are genuinely born again by the power of the Spirit of God, they're the light of the world, they're the salt of the earth, and you're the only one that can make a difference in the world in which we live. The Spirit of God indwelling your life is still the restraining force that holds back the arrival of the Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not even looking for the Undertaker. I dodged him. I'm looking for the Upper Taker. <laughs> Ultimately, the focus for the Christian is to keep your eyes on the sky, keep your eye on the Lord. Jesus is coming. Until he does, the mission is still clear. If the great prediction is, I will keep building my church then the Great Commission is what? Go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, Proclaim the gospel. Preach the word. And in this generation, we have the opportunity to do that through radio and television, and it is a very convicting responsibility. In one broadcast of Lamb and Lion, David can preach to more people than the Apostle Paul did in his entire lifetime. It's hard to imagine that. And it makes you remind yourself every message is important. Every word is serious. If Paul had radio and television, what in the world do you think he could have accomplished with that? God has given us the tools to make a difference in this world, and we have to use them to the glory of God. Fourthly, I'd remind us that our focus is still heaven, that eventually it's not about having a better life on earth. It's all about being prepared for eternity. Sometimes in prophecy, we can get sidetracked, if we're not careful, on all the details of what is going to happen next. Uh, And uh, you've had it happen. Uh, If you're in any kind of a prophetic-related ministry, people always come up to me and they go, Now, Ed, you know, you do this kind of stuff. Now, come on. How much time is really left? Uh, You know, and Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour. And somebody will always say, well, it doesn't say the year. I know what the text says, but it means nobody knows the time, so don't waste your time trying to guess the time. Be ready all the time because Jesus could come back when? Anytime. You got it. You keep that balance. You keep watching for him to come and you keep serving until he comes. But you realize my service is not just about building something earthly. Ultimately, my service is focused on heaven. I'm to keep an eye on the sky because ultimately I know the Savior is coming again. And therefore, finally, the victory is ultimately still certain. The Scripture reminds us 
that in Christ we are more than conquerors. It doesn't matter the issues of life and death, of light and darkness, of the challenges and difficulties of life, that in Christ greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And sometimes we need to be reminded of who we really are in Christ, the difference we can make, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. We represent the King of Kings. We represent the Word of Truth. We represent the one true message that can transform a life, emancipate a soul, and change the world to the glory of God. It's an expression of the heart. And so my challenge to all of us would be, where's your heart tonight? You're concerned about the Bible? Great. I'm concerned about the future and biblical truth and biblical prophecy? Wonderful. But where's your heart? Where is the expression of your love and devotion and faith and passion in serving the Lord? Jesus told us very clearly that where your heart is, there your treasure will be. There you'll put your time and attention and interest. Uh, In the appeal of evangelism in Paul's letter to the Romans, he said, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is a, a matter of a transformation of the heart. And we wouldn't come down to the end of a conference like this and just assume that everybody's a believer. Uh, I know that most of you know the Lord. It's obvious by the expression on your face, by the interest that you have. But I would remind you, if you've never had a personal encounter with Christ, if you've never by faith said yes to Him, don't let the night end without making that commitment to Him and responding in genuine faith to the death of Christ on the cross as the sufficient payment for your sins. I was flying in an airplane one time to South Africa where I went to school. And there was a lady from Europe on the plane and I was trying to talk to her and uh, she finally she looked at me and she said, well, young man, we don't have those realities in Europe. And I thought, I know, it's really bad. Uh, and uh, she said, uh, besides, my religion satisfies me. And God just seemed to prompt my heart to say, ma'am, I'm sorry, but God didn't really care whether your religion satisfies you. He only cares whether your religion satisfies him. And he's only satisfied with the death of his son on the cross, the death of a sinless Savior. You see, if Jesus dying on the cross, standing on the spikes, pulling on the nails and shouting, my God, why have you forsaken me? If that is not enough to pay for your sins, nothing you do is. You can't earn your way, work your way, hope your way. All you can do is throw yourself at the feet of the cross and cry, my Lord and my God, and put your faith and trust in what he did for you on the cross. The sinless son of God went to the cross, died in your place, rose from the dead, and hallelujah, he's coming again. It's all a matter of the heart. God bless you. You are watching Christ in Prophecy. You have been watching excerpts from a presentation by Dr. Ed Heinsohn about the battle for the heart of America. I would contend that this battle is the greatest one in our history because the very fate of our nation depends on its outcome. We will either return to the Judeo-Christian principles this nation was founded upon and which made this nation great, or we will destroy ourselves by descent into paganism. This has been a deep concern of mine ever since this ministry began 30 years ago. 
I've spoken about it many times, and I have written a whole book about it. This one called America the Beautiful? Subtitled, The United States in Bible Prophecy. I'd like to share with you some of the thoughts I expressed in this book about the future of our nation. But first, let's pause for a great song by Jack Hollinsworth called Bring Back the Cross. We need to remember where we came from. As I watch your glory waving in the courthouse square, she seems so all alone and fragile, even in despair. Her stars have lost their glimmer, her stripes their majesty. And as I thought, what's the matter? Seems all glory spoke to me. Bring back the cross By myself I cannot stand Bring back the cross We need the help of God's strong hand Can't you hear old glory cry? Can't you feel her grief and pain? America, bring back the cross again Well, the glory of old glory Was the grace from God above (laughs) For certain we sure have our faults That's not what I'm speaking of Oh, the cross and the flag together (laughs) They sure made quite a pair and though the cross was invisible the whole world knew it was there bring back the cross by myself i cannot stand bring back the cross we need the help of god's strong hand can't you hear old glory cry Oh, can't you feel her grief and pain? America, bring back the cross again. You are watching Christ in Prophecy. That powerful song was written by Squire Parsons, and as Jack said at the beginning, America, we need to remember where we came from. In 2003, I wrote this book about the United States in Bible prophecy. I began it by surveying what the Bible says about how God deals with nations in general. Basically, I pointed out that God desires to bless all nations and that He will do so if a nation is faithful to His Word. But if a nation begins to stray from His Word, God will first of all raise up prophets to call it to repentance. If the people refuse to listen to the prophets, then God will place remedial judgments on the nations, and these can range from natural disasters to economic calamities, including giving the nation the kind of leaders it deserves. Finally, if a nation persists in its rebellion, God will ultimately deliver it over from judgment to destruction. I pointed out that with regard to the United States, the Bible is mysteriously silent regarding our fate in the end times. But I also pointed out that such silence is in itself a prophecy that we will play no major role in end-time events. And since we are currently the world's superpower, and the signs of the times indicate that we are living on the very threshold of the tribulation, that must mean we are going to be removed from the scene as a major power 
quickly and decisively. How could that occur? Well, I presented several possibilities, including external atomic attack, uh, internal terrorist attacks, uh, moral rot, and economic collapse. I stated our downfall could be due to any of these or a combination of them, but I felt the one that would most likely suffer from would be economic collapse. The reason I focused on that possibility is because money has become the God of our society. And I've always believed that the true God of this universe would one day destroy our false God if we persisted in our rebellion against God's Word. Here's how I presented it in the original 2003 edition of my book. There is no way to escape the conclusion that America has become a debt junkie. We are living on money we do not have and will never have, and sooner or later the weight of this debt is going to collapse our economy. One irony is that we have killed 50 million babies who could have been in the workforce today contributing to our economic health by producing goods and services and paying taxes. I believe an unprecedented economic collapse is highly likely because money is the real God of America, and the true God of this universe is a jealous one who does not tolerate idolatry. God, by His very nature, is going to be compelled to destroy our false God. I was reminded of these words in September of 2008 when the stock market crash occurred that uh, catapulted us into the current national economic crisis. I recognized immediately that the crash was a remedial judgment from the Lord calling this nation to repentance. Why did I come to that conclusion? For two reasons. First, it occurred on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And second, the market fell exactly 777 points. The timing of the crash on the eve of the Jewish New Year seemed to me to be God's way of emphasizing the connection between the calamity and our nation's unjust treatment of Israel. It was reminiscent of the timing of Hurricane Katrina, a storm that formed the day after the Israeli withdrawal from Gaza had been concluded, a withdrawal that we had forced on Israel. And then there was that number, 777. In the Bible, the number of man is six, since that was the day God created Adam. The number of the Antichrist is given as 666 in Revelation 13, 18, because it represents man exalted to the utmost. It also represents the fact that during the tribulation, a satanic trinity will be here on earth. Satan, the fake God, the Antichrist, the fake Messiah, and the false prophet, the fake Holy Spirit. In contrast, the number seven in the Bible represents complete perfection because it was on the seventh day that God rested after completing His perfect creation. Thus, 777 represents absolute perfection and can thus symbolize the true trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In short, from a spiritual viewpoint, the stock market crash of 2008 had the signature of God all over it. And I would argue that the same was true of the 9-11 attacks in 2001 and Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Folks, God is calling this nation to repentance, and we are not listening. You are watching Christ in Prophecy. So what is likely to be the fate of our nation? I believe there is a prophetic type of the United States in the Bible, and I believe it reveals what will happen to this nation if we do not repent. That prophetic type is the ancient nation of Judah. That nation was greatly blessed by God. It was given great leaders, great prosperity, 
great freedom, and it was given the unprecedented spiritual blessing of having God Almighty reside in the midst of the nation in its temple. But some 250 years into its history, the nation became very prideful and began to rebel against God's Word. The Lord responded by raising up prophets to call the nation to repentance. And when the people refused to respond, God sent remedial judgments. These judgments continued until God finally turned the nation of Judah over to destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. The process is described in the Scriptures in 2 Chronicles 36, verses 15-16. And folks, it is a moving passage that expresses the sorrow of God. Listen, And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by His messengers, His prophets, because He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised His words, scoffed at His prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against His people, until there was no remedy. No nation in all of history has been blessed like Judah except ours. Like Judah, we have been given great leaders, great prosperity, great freedom. And like Judah, we have been given great spiritual blessings being used of God to proclaim the gospel all over the world. And yet, Like Judah, we have become a prideful and rebellious people, thumbing our nose at the very one who has blessed us so mightily. And in response, the Lord has raised up many prophetic voices like Dave Wilkerson, who have called this nation to repentance. And when we have refused to respond, the Lord has placed remedial judgments upon us. As we continue in our rebellion, we are literally begging for the wrath of God to fall upon us. The only good news I can offer is the fact that the coup de grace for our nation, the final destructive blow, is likely to be the rapture of the church. Since we have more born-again Christians than any other nation in the world, uh, that event will propel this nation into absolute chaos, suddenly removing us from the world scene as a major player. Folks, the signs of the times indicate very clearly that we are living on borrowed time, that the rapture of the church could occur any moment, an event that will trigger the outpouring of God's wrath, not only on this nation, but on all the nations of the world. Let me ask you something. Are you ready for that event? Will you be taken to heaven in the rapture, or will you be left behind to face the wrath of God? Your faith depends on whether or not you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace, but you must reach out and receive it by putting your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you have never done that, I want to urge you to do it right now by praying, Heavenly Father, I confess to You that I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins, and I ask You to forgive me and seal me for salvation as I accept Your Son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Thank You, Father. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I hope you will seek out a Bible-believing church where you can publicly confess your faith in Jesus and manifest that faith in baptism. Well, that's our program for this week. Until next week at this same time, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministry saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Where is the United States in Bible prophecy? It's the most asked prophecy question by people all over the world. Now in its third edition, this book reveals the biblical principles that guide how God deals with the nations. It focuses on the mysterious absence of the United States in the end times. If you're wondering if there's any hope for America, you'll discover there are key scriptures that speak powerfully to us. So, for a gift of $15 or more plus shipping, call the number on the screen or visit lamblion.com to get America the Beautiful. 
To understand the key factors that are changing America from within, order a special presentation made by Ed Heinsen at our 2010 Bible Conference. His message, The Battle for the Heart of America, identifies five cultural shifts that threaten the very foundation of our nation. He concludes there is still hope for America. Order this DVD for a gift of $7 or more plus shipping. Call or order online today. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.